Good morning, everyone. Uh, just a few reminders for um, the women's ministry uh, coming up this summer, our workshops this summer. So our first one is this Saturday. Is this on? Oh, okay. Uh, this Saturday, June 25th, it's for the Ojai Land Conservancy. Conservancy. We're doing trail maintenance. Um, it's not as daunting as it sounds. Um, we're just kind of closing off. They, this is what they've told us that they'd like us to do is close off some of the trails that people have just kind of created um, going down to the river, what's supposed to be the river, um, and just kind of closing those off and filling them in. And so it's just trying to keep uh, people on the regular trails. So please, all are invited um, kids, uh, men, you're all invited to come. If we, I'd like you to sign up. They'd like to know a number of about how many people are coming. Um, so uh, if you could sign up, it's on the cart in the back. Um, that'd be great. And there's quite a few already signed up. So a um, couple other workshops coming up is the July 30th uh, floral arranging and August 27th, a workshop for watercolor. Uh, they're filling up fast. Um, just a little thing about that is last, a couple years ago when we had workshops, they were about $20. This year, because everything has gotten higher, we thought we'd make it lower, um, just to ease it up a little bit. <laughs> and so it's going, they're about, they're $15 um, that might buy just one flower at this point. So it might be a really quick workshop, but, um, but we're going to try to do as best as we can. But we wanted to keep the cost down just because everything else is going up. And the last, uh, but not least, is um, just to encourage you again, the women, to be reading through the Psalms this summer, um, and we're going to have a time to come together and just reflect on what we've been reading, and that's August 15th, and it'll be here at the well. Um, and again, just a little um, reminder that uh, the Psalms are a compilation of songs um, prayers and poetry. About half were written by King David. Um, and I'm going to read one, and I forgot my paper up here. So hang on. Is there, did I totally forget it? Oh, oh here it is. Okay, sorry. Uh, so we're going to be reading a few this summer, but I wanted to read one today. And this is Psalm 18. And in the beginning of my Bible, it has just a tiny description. And it says, a Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addresses the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So this is Psalm 18. And it's been edited. <laughs> so it's a lot shorter here. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God enlightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The, the word of the Lord proves true. 
He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but our Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. Amen. Amen. <laughs> worship team, you guys can come up. As the worship team is, is coming up, I want to uh, kind of share with you, you know, we know that summer typically in churches, you know, there's a lot of traveling and attendance goes up and down. And yet around summer, uh, for summer for here, we really focus on relationships. And so, Kathy, thank you and Katie and your team for, you know, being proactive in helping us stay connected uh, in the women's ministry. Uh, men, just so you know, we are in the process of putting together a, a men's barbecue or something like that towards the end of summer for, for the men to get together. Um, moms and dads, uh, I'm in the process. We're probably, hopefully in July, maybe early August, we're going to have a parenting event for you moms and dads, whether you're expecting or want to be parents or if you've been parents for a bit. Um, we're going to give you an opportunity to gather here uh, for an incredible time of fellowship and, and teaching and really uh, seeking the Lord and learning what it means to, to parent and and raise our kids in the training and admonition of the Lord. So there, there are many things happening. Uh, continue to pray. I uh, really encourage you, continue to pray. You know, there's so much happening in the world, right? And so much happening maybe in your life that uh, we can get lost in it. And it, it can become heavy and oppressive and really put us in a place of bondage because we, without even realizing it, that's what we focus on. We flip our phones on and we go right to our news feed or we go right to our social media feed and, and maybe we started the day really good and in a matter of seconds, minutes, we, we went back into the funk. And so I want, really want to encourage you that, that when we do gather here, whether you're here in person or at, at home, choose to be here. Choose to be fully present. Okay, choose to redirect your attention and say, Lord, I need you through worship, through the word. I, I just need Sometimes to be reminded that God is still God. Amen? He's still in control. It's Father's Day. You're still his child. Okay? He's bigger than it all. Amen? Okay? And that's why we gather. That's why we gather. And, and, and it's not just to go through another Sunday. Sometimes we gather because God knows we need to gather. Okay? Because outside of these doors, outside of the doors at your house, the world is waiting. But we can choose to turn it all off and to be fully present, to worship in spirit and truth, to be attentive to the, the speaking of the Holy Spirit through his word. And here's a radical thing. We can be different. You walked in a certain place in your relationship with God, a certain place emotionally, mentally, maybe, literally. Power of the resurrection, the Holy Spirit, you can leave here different. That's the radical truth. That's the radical power of the Holy Spirit. The question is, do you want that? Are you, are you open to that right now? Okay. So. I don't need God. Close that door. I don't need God. It was a statement made by a very good friend of mine back in college topic of God had come up, and quite confidently, actually not even antagonistically, made the statement, I don't need God. And in his mind, he didn't. 
We were both at UCLA, doing very well. Had plans for success, career. He was fine. He didn't need God. And I was thinking of that. It came to mind as I was preparing this message as we continue through Philippians 3 and we're going to launch off into a sort of a mini-series over the next few weeks. And in Philippians 3, we had come to the place where the Apostle Paul is sharing his journey of coming to faith and, and being righteous in God's eyes through faith alone and not through works. And then he begins to tell us about where he's going. Now that he settled the, the salvation issue by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, he begins to tell us what he values, what he, what he really wants in this relationship. Philippians 3, 8 through 11, it says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection." And may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And we've looked at this, right? We took a couple weeks off. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So we looked at this idea of knowing. Now Paul says, I want to know Christ. Know, gnosko, experientially know. Not just know about him, not just gain more information. I really want to know him experientially, right? I shared this story before, right, with, with, with an apple. I can, I can hold an apple up here, tell you it's a Fuji, tell you it's red, tell you where I bought it, where it was grown. You know a lot about it, but until you bite into the apple, you don't really know the apple. After you bite it, you can say, I know that apple, Well, Paul is saying, I want to know Christ. I don't want to just come to church and and fill my head with more knowledge about Jesus. I really want to know him in my daily life. I want to know him, right? And, And then he says, and the power of his resurrection. He wants to know experientially power, specifically the power of his resurrection, right? And and so I'm thinking of this. Specifically, we talk about the power of resurrection as it relates to the Holy Spirit. And, and, and then the comment from my, my very good friend who says, I don't need God. And I ponder that as a believer for 30 plus years and as a pastor for about 30 plus years. If I'm honest, this week I'm, I'm challenged. Do I need God? Now, the VBS answer is sure, but the get real rubber meets the road answer after having done this and being very familiar with the Bible, very familiar with what I'm supposed to be doing and not doing, having been in church ministry for 30 years and knowing the mechanics of running a church, do I really need the power of the resurrection anymore? Do you? After... All these years, maybe you've been walking with the Lord and doing church and Bible studies and organizing events and, you know, planning things. And it's powerful. 
Powerful, challenging question for believers. Do you need God? As you sit here, as you sit at home, wherever you're listening to this, do you need, do you want the power of the resurrection? Right? Warren Wiersbe says, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for our daily lives. Christ has already won the victory over sin, death, the world, and Satan. God's people do not, do not fight for victory, but fun, from victory, right? But do we need God to do that? Or is that just a positional, propositional statement that we assent to? Say amen, and then go have coffee, donuts, and in this case today, ice cream bars. Do we really need God daily? Did you wake up today and say, Lord, I want to know the power of your resurrection today. It's available. I I just don't want to know it. I need it today. What does that even look like? What does that even mean? Because if you really grasp that, if, 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 if you're listening today, you can literally experience that right now, before you leave, transformation. But I'm going to tell you that sometimes the road to transformation goes through the valley called confession and repentance and admission. Because quite frankly, you know, that challenge, do, do I really need God to run the well? Well, I have a bunch of faithful servants around here. And quite frankly, it kind of runs itself mechanically, programmatically, ministerially. Do I need the power of the resurrection for the well? Well, it all depends where your perspective is. You're talking about running an organization? Well, maybe not so much, because it's just an organization, just like the Rotary Club or, you know. It's a nonprofit, 501c3. Do you need God to run a 501c3? Well, there's mechanics, right? We, but if this is the church of the redeemed, supernatural entity created by God for God to be used by God, well, we need the power of the resurrection in the church. It's a matter of perspective. And for many of us, over time, the reason you may not need God is because you're no longer setting your mind on things above, you're setting your mind on things on the earth. And you may have come to a place of comfort and routine to where you kind of manage it, or it manages itself. Maybe in a little example, how many of you drove here today the exact same way you drive here every time you come? In fact, sometimes you come here, you don't even remember how you got here. It's so routine, right? You're like, oh, we're at church already? Right? Nothing wrong with that other than if you bring that into the spiritual, you can just slide into a place where it's just autopilot. It's not the power of the resurrection anymore. It's autopilot. And with the autopilot, we begin to redesign, redesign, redefine what Christianity is supposed to be. Rather than this dynamic new covenant relationship, now it comes back to, well, I just try not to sin too much. And I just kind of try to do my best. And I just involved and I give. 
That's not what this is. Jesus calls us to follow him. The power of the resurrection. Okay, and we're going to talk about that. It's interesting, the, the, the title of this series is really The Praxis of Power. And I love that word praxis. Many, many of you may not have ever heard praxis. I heard it first in college, and I really love it, praxis. Praxis is the practical application of a theory, the process of using a theory or something you have learned in a practical way, putting an idea or theory into practice. Okay, so praxis is the combination of theory and practice. Praxis. So I call this the praxis of power. And I begin with this question of, you know, do you need God? Do I need God? Because we have to not just assent to this theory of the power of the resurrection. That's not why he speaks this truth. There has to be praxis. Amen? And my heart is that there will be praxis of power. That you, maybe, for whatever, you know, your place where you are today, God, the Holy Spirit, will speak to you, and you'll be like, oh, my gosh. This is practical. This is practical. And here's the thing. The power of the resurrection is available to every believer. It's not just for the the A-team up here on the stage. It's for you. It's for you at home. It's for you listening in your car. The power of the resurrection. When he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection, do you? Do you? And that, 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 that's a theme that, that you're going to hear me say frequently today because that's a real question. Not just do you need it, do you even want it? Two radically different questions that only you can answer before the Lord. Do you need the power of the resurrection? Do you even want it? Do you even want it? Right, James one twenty two. I like this as sort of the, the verse that comes to mind about praxis. He says, hey, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourself. Okay, so, so today and then launching in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the, the person and power of the Holy Spirit that indwells every believer. You got to do something with it. And if you do, watch out. If you do, I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus, there's transformation power that can come your way. If you've been stuck, if you've been in bondage, if you're feeling oppressed by the world, by your life situation, I'm praying the power of the resurrection through the Holy Spirit sets you free. Radical transformation. Radical transformation. Right? Philippians 3 in the New Living says this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Do you need the mighty power? Do you want the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead? You just get, I'm going to ask it in so many different ways today. Do you need it? Do you want it? The mighty power. Whew. Okay, it's available. It's there. For some of you, it's been lying dormant. Like dormant. For years, for months, however long. It's been there. We received the Holy Spirit at the time of conversion. The Holy Spirit has indwelt you from the time you came to faith. He's been there. I'm praying that we, that you, that I will choose to release me. That you, as you learn 
about the power, as you learn about the person of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, who indwells you, something powerful will happen. Maybe you'll just smile. Maybe you'll just smile. Maybe you'll, be, maybe you'll have a, oh man, moment. Because what we're talking about here is so radical that I don't even know if our finite minds are grasping it, and it may take a while. You might be, it, I, you might be listening today, and on Thursday, you'll be like, doink! I understand! Because it took four days to marinate that God, the Holy Spirit, indwells you. Yeah, I know. This is going to be like drinking, trying to take a cup of water out of a fire hydrant. I get that. It's like, you got it. You got it. You got to chew on it. You got to meditate on it because it's true. It's true, right? Now, when he says power, that's where we get the word. It's dunamis, which is where we get dynamite, dynamo, dynamic, Okay, what that means is it's, it's, an, it's an enabling power. It's a supernatural productive. It's divine energy. It means that we have power. We are enabled supernaturally to live a supernatural life. Okay, it's a divine energy. It's enabling, okay? It is not, okay, when he says he wants to know the power of the resurrection, it is not that you and I are going to go to Nordoff Cemetery and start raising people from the dead. That is not what he's talking about. You're like, well, how do you know? Well, look at the Bible, Ephesians 1.19. Paul wanted us to know this power. Look what he says. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us. Some versions say toward us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So when he says we want to know the power of the resurrection, it is not that you and I are personally going to go down to Ivy Lawn. Okay? It is God's power for us, God's power toward us. Okay? It is available to us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. S.L. Johnson says this, What is the greatness of the power to us who believe? Well, look, it's the power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The resurrection power that raised up the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead is the power that works in every single believer. Isn't that magnificent? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The power of God that was wrought by God in Christ works in me. Everyone say, works in me. This is just truth. That's why they call this the praxis of power. You've got to bring this into the practical outworking of your life, right? And, and, and again, do you need it? Do you want it? Right? Do you need it or do you want it? Ephesians 3 links this power to the Holy Spirit. He says this. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with what? Power through his spirit in your inner being. Okay, so there's the link. This power of the resurrection is the Holy Spirit who indwells you and me. Okay? 
It's not some nebulous power out there that's floating around in the universe. It is the Holy Spirit, again, that indwells believers, every believer, at the point of conversion, indwells you and I and makes available supernatural divine energy, the power of the resurrection. It's there. It's there. Right? Now, we ask ourselves, well, if it's there, and it's been there this whole time, why, why haven't I availed myself of it? Right? The Bible Exposition Commentary says this, too many Christians are betweeners. They live between Egypt and Canaan, saved but never satisfied. Or they live between Good Friday and Easter, Believing in the cross, but not entering into the power and glory of the resurrection. So again, maybe, okay, maybe this whole idea of the power of the resurrection through the Holy Spirit indwelling you has has really been stifled and limited because, like many, your Christianity has been really based on Good Friday. You put your faith in Jesus that he died for your sins. He paid the penalty that you could never pay. You trust him as Savior and Lord. All Good Friday, right? And you never move to Easter, the resurrection, that you've heard me speak about. Because Good Friday and Easter Sunday, they're inseparable. Those are the gospel, right? But many of us, again, our Christianity, however, maybe you were taught this, maybe it was emphasized as you were growing up, it was about believing about something Jesus did for you, and because you believe about something he did for you, your Christianity has really been based on you saying a prayer or a confession of faith about a past event. Now, you're saved and you have your faith, and it's kind of based on a past event, so what does that do? For some, it means that Christianity now is I'm a good moral person because I have my ticket to heaven. My name is written in the book of life. Now I'm supposed to be a good person. I go to church, read my Bible, go to women's events, men's events. And rather than a supernatural relationship, your Christianity is morality because it's really based on a past event. Jesus died. Not that he rose You don't bring the power of the resurrection into June 19th, 2022. This is the new covenant relationship that we're called to have. It is living. It is right now. It is present tense. Sure, we believe in the historical fact of the crucifixion and resurrection, but all of that belief and faith is supposed to springboard us into a dynamic relationship today. Amen? It's not just assenting to something that happened and then doing our best to struggle along as good moral people until we go to heaven. No. Paul says, I want to know the power of the resurrection. It's there because you're in covenant with him. You're in covenant, okay? Maybe it's because, again, do you want to to know the power? Do you need the power of God, right? And, and I was just thinking, well, why wouldn't we? Right, again, the VBS answer is yes, 
But then if you look at your life and what you did this past week and how you handle things, is it reflective of somebody operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the resurrection? And so we got we to gotta peel it back. And, and again, this is all designed. I've been praying. I'm like, Lord, how do, we get, how do we get there? Well, we get there by speaking the truth in love and giving a place where we can be honest. So why wouldn't we need the power of God? Why wouldn't we want the power of God? We're comfortable. I call it, I'm good Christianity. I'm good. I'm good. We're just, we're just comfortable, right? Remember the church at Laodicea? Very wealthy church, much like SoCal and very profitable, right? Verse 17, you say I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. We don't need the power of God, maybe because we're just comfortable. We don't need anything. Fridge is full, still able to pay for a gas, you know, tank of gas. We're comfortable. Maybe that's the reason we don't need or want the power of the resurrection, if we're honest. Just, just speaking, right? Maybe there's another C word, churchy. We're just so familiar with church and how to do church and church things, right? The, the church at Ephesus, remember? They did a lot of good things. They were challenging false teachers. They were doing a lot. And what does he say? You left your first love. Sometimes we don't need the power of the resurrection or, or, or any of that because we're churchy. We got it down. We, we, we know how to do this thing on Sunday, right? We drive the same way. How many sit in the general same seat? How many of you get a little nervous when you think about sitting somewhere else? Honestly. You might as well put your hands up because you're where you are right now because you're sitting there because you're comfortable and you're churchy. Just kidding, Ernie, but you know what I'm talking about. What if we said next Sunday? We flip. Well, we got to know, okay. At least someone's honest that they don't need the power of the resurrection and they don't want it. This is what we're talking about. I'm, I'm not talking about going to Libby Park and having a Billy Graham crusade as a manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about sitting in a different seat next Sunday. <laughs> because for some of you, it would take you so far out of your comfort zone, out of your churchy zone, that you literally would have to say, Lord, give me the courage. I don't want to take someone else's seat. I don't want them to be mad at me. It might be too hot over there. It's closer to the sun. I don't, I don't know why you all sit where you landed. But I'm just going to challenge you. Next Sunday, Tyler, next Sunday is find a new seat Sunday at the well. Why not? Okay, okay. For some of you, your heart's beating really like, let me, I'm, let me just, I, I'm, I'm going to be, Mark likes to say, you're very paternal. What are you so scared of? Like, like seriously. 
And, and, and I don't mean this in a condemning way because I've been where you have been. But let me just ask you, what, what is it? Now, it might be insecurity, it might be fear, or just honestly, if you're honest, again, this is just, you know, an, an honest moment. You don't want to. You're comfortable. You like this angle on my face. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to lovingly challenge you. Cindy, you know, praise God that you did the more. I didn't, that was unplanned. I heard that you did it. I was driving to L.A. to pick up my kids when you prayed the opening prayer. Were you out of your comfort zone? Were you, were you, were you scared? Okay. Maybe scared, nervous is power of Holy Spirit, God in my life. Opportunity. Opportunity. Change seats. You might meet a new friend. Literally. You're going to like, you come to church here? How long have you been at church here? Five years. Me too. Separated by six feet. Because you go out the same way, you go get your same donuts, you park at the same place. So in this congregation, you miss people because you do the same thing. We got to shake it up. If it starts here, shake it up. And seriously, you might need to pray. And I'm not, you know, yeah. Oh, Lord. It's find a new seat Sunday. Should I even go? I'm, there's a camera right there. I'm going to look at all of you that are here today. And if you're not here next Sunday, A, I'm going to know it. And B, if you sit in the same seat, I'm still going to know it because I'm going to review the tape. Come on. Come on. Right? Right? Where is this coming from? It's not from the Lord who gives us the power. This is just a lie from the devil. This is just him playing accusations and bondage to our past insecurities and fear of what people are going to think about us and fear of breaking. Come on. If you want, if you recognize your need for the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you want it, I'm going to tell you right now, be prepared for a major shakeup. It cannot be business as usual. It will not be. Because the power of the resurrection and the Holy Spirit is going to take you places, wonderful places, glorious places that you, don't, you can't even fathom right now. And it might just be next week across the road. As a start. As a start. It's just a start. You got to start somewhere. And if you're like, good. That's good. Now you know what the first church felt like. When he says, hey, you stay there till the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What? Can you imagine that? He says, you wait there because I'm sending the power of the Holy Spirit and you're going to be my witnesses. Boom. You sit here and you say you want the power of the Holy Spirit. Watch out. Watch out. Because he might just set you free. He might just so radically transform your life from the inside out. What you got?
You got to make the choice. You got to make the choice, right? So maybe we're comfortable. Maybe we're a bit churchy. Maybe it's kind of what I call buffet Christianity. You know buffets, right? Where do you go to Vegas or hometown buffet? What do you do at a buffet? You pick and choose, right? If you see something you don't care for, you just sort of politely move on. But then the stuff that you really like, you, what do you do? You pile it on, right? Well, I think sometimes over time we develop sort of buffet Christianity where we have favorite verses and, and things that we really emphasize. And then we have these other verses that we politely Thank you, but no thank you. And I'm going to give you some verses over the years that this is not meant to bring guilt or condemnation. It's meant to challenge us with the supernatural need we have just to obey some verses. So, so here it is. Matthew 5. You have heard that the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Love your enemies. Woo! That resonates politically, doesn't it? How many of you honestly would say that's going to take the power of the resurrection? There you go. Isn't that the testimony? Wouldn't that be the testimony? If the church does this, that's the testimony of the power of the resurrection. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Okay? How about this one? Matthew 6. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? How many of us tend to, don't raise your hand, just excuse worry? I just worry. Matthew 6 says not to worry. Here's one that hits home. Ephesians 5, 24 and 25. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How many of you see the power of the resurrection in those verses? You need it. We do. Husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's a supernatural requirement. Well, thank you for submission too. Right? Thank you. That that was a female voice that came and not a, not a male voice. But since we're there, ladies, the submission word how many of you would admit that that requires the spirit of God and the power of the resurrection okay but what do we do we kind of just oh that's a nice verse yeah yeah they read that they read that at the wedding that was good and we kind of just move on now for those of you who are young there's there's a verse for you you children that could require the power of the resurrection 6-1 children obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. <laughs> right? Was, right? Power of the resurrection? Necessary? Right? Okay, see? See? How about this one? Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about 
do not be anxious about? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Again, one of those verses. Does he really mean anything? How is that even possible? Well, in the power of the flesh, it isn't. Supernaturally, power of the resurrection, Holy Spirit, choice, it is. Amen? Okay. How about this one, Matthew 18? Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied. Seventy times seven. And that's not 490. He means limitless. How many of you maybe have issues of forgiveness? That again would require, as you sit here, a miracle. A supernatural power for you to forgive so-and-so for what they did or said. Yes, it brings us to the place of need, doesn't it? Brings us to the place of need. John 13. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Again, this is not like like each other a lot. When he says love, we're to love the church as Jesus loves you and me. Self-sacrificial. Now, we enjoy fellowship. We like each other. We would even probably say we love each other. But do we genuinely self-sacrificially love other people in the church as Christ loved us? That's a supernatural command requiring supernatural power. Okay? The point of all this isn't to, to beat you down. The point of all this is to kind of wake us all up to the fact, the truth, that we are called to a supernatural walk which brings testimony and glory to God. Amen? If we just did these, just did one of these, what would that do to your testimony? Personally, what would it do to the testimony even of this church? But again, we may have over time just politely passed it by. Politely just excused ourselves from obeying these verses, and that could go on and on, but these are the ones that over the years I have found Oh, no, God knows I just worry. God knows, man, God knows I just have a hard time forgiving. You know, yeah, yeah, God knows. You know, it's so interesting that one of our outs for disobedience at the core is, well, God knows. Well, the answer to that is really God has empowered. There's an answer to that. We can't really say, well, God knows it's an excuse for not obeying what God has supernaturally empowered us to do. Amen? I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about here. Okay? Charles Spurgeon says, many Christians do not know this power. Or they only know it from a distance. God wants resurrection life to be real in the life of the believer. The very same power which raised Christ is waiting to raise the drunkard from his drunkenness to raise the thief from his dishonesty, to raise the Pharisee from his self-righteousness, to raise the Sadducee from his unbelief. In 2022, right now. He wants it to be real. Not just theory, remember, praxis. He wants it to be real. And today, before we launch into it, 
God's like, you know, we gotta, we gotta start at the heart level. We gotta do some heart surgery, okay? Do we need it? Do we really want it? Why or why not, okay? Because what God wants to do, he wants to do some, something supernatural in his children, okay? It's Father's Day. What does Father want? He wants to do something supernatural in you. Everyone say, in you, through you, for his glory, okay? It's supernatural. He wants to do something in you, Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, here's the purpose, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. He wants to do this in you. He wants you to walk in newness, never existed before life. Not just cleaned up version of yourself. Brand new, okay? Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by Testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That word transformed, metamorphosis, the caterpillar to the butterfly. That's supernatural. He's, he wants to transform you radically, supernaturally. Then we saw this when we were looking at Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but now much more in my absence work out bring it to completion your salvation with fear and trembling okay verse 13 for it is god who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure it is god who works in you do you need him do you want him okay father wants to do something supernatural in you in you right and then he wants to do something supernatural through you matthew 28 great commission Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How is Jesus with us always to the end of the age? The Holy Spirit. We still, he still wants to do something natural through you, through us, and he says, I am still with you on June 19, 2022. Amen? He's still here. Look at Ephesians 4.16. This applies to the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know what God wants to do through you? Grow this body. He wants this body to supernaturally mature, grow spiritually. How, according to this verse? As everybody does their supernatural part. We're going to see the Bible says the Holy Spirit has given gifts. And why has he given you a gift? To be used. According to this verse, that the whole body benefits. Amen? See, he wants to use you. Not just for the great commission out there. He wants to use you here supernaturally for the health and growth of this body. Amen? So when we tell you, seek the Lord, what gift has he given you? Use it here. It is for a supernatural purpose. According to this, that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know where I have seen this manifested? The growth of this worship team over the last several months. How many of you, church family, have been blessed, have grown, have matured, have enjoyed your relationship with God through the use of the gifts at this worship team? Amen? Okay, they're just doing what they're called to do, supernaturally. 
use the gifts that they have been given. Same thing is happening right now in Kingdom Kids. Same thing happens in the bridge, the audiovisual team. Same thing happens with the coffee and donut team. How many are thankful for the coffee and donut team? Yeah! I'm trying to decide which applause got more, the worship or the donuts. I mean, like, it's pretty close there. He wants to do things supernaturally through you. Kathy, your team, women's ministry. Supernatural work. We look at, you know, flowers and it's supernatural. This is a supernatural entity. The church is a supernatural, God-created, God-ordained entity. And it requires people who are moving in the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to grow it. Amen? We all have a part to play. We do. We have an incredible prayer team. 14 plus people on the prayer team. They're praying for you. Prayer requests come through all week. My phone, how do I know? Because it goes doink, 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 doink. Right? Prayer request comes and everyone acknowledges that they're praying for it. It's, it's incredible. The emails that come in. Everyone has a part to play. It's not just all up here. Okay, so God wants to do supernatural thing through you. And then here's the motive. For his glory. Here's a, here's a heart check. If you say, yes, I want the power of the resurrection. Yes, I need the power of the resurrection. My next question to you is, why? What's your motive? So that God can do his, provide for me. So that God meets my needs. So that I, so that I, so that I. This is where we have to be very careful. We want you to be godly. We want you to be holy. We want to see transformation in your life. But don't mistake that that holiness and and godliness is the end. Because it can turn self-centered then. If we're not careful, we can pursue godliness in a very self-centered, me-centered way, right? We want to be transformed. We want to be holy. We want to be Christ-like to give him the glory. It's about what he does in us and through us that gives him the glory. James 4.3. In James, the, the writer is talking about praying with selfish motives. And he says this, And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. What he's talking about is selfish motives here. Sometimes we pray for things and you're like, why isn't God answering? Well, God's not answering because your motive is about you. It's a selfish motive. And even here, when we're talking about, I want to know the power of the resurrection, I want to know the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, please don't do it with selfish motives. Okay, it's not about us. It's for his glory. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Right? We'll go to John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Right? As we bear fruit, who gets the glory? God. See, as, as, even as a church, as we bear fruit, as you guys all serve and we do something supernatural here, when visitors come, non-believers come, who gets the glory? God should get the glory. This is not building about building up the well. I've told you before, do not make the well your idol. Everything we do here should point people to Jesus. Everything. When they come in and they're loved and they're welcomed and they see people joyfully serving, it should all inspire them, draw them more and more to want to know Jesus personally. It's all about his glory. Okay? Billy Graham says, we glorify God by living lives that honor him. 
1 Corinthians 6. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God brought, bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. There's some powerful truth if you just chewed on that passage right there. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit lives in you. That means wherever you go to lunch, when you are sitting around a restaurant or whatever, or you're at Costco, wherever you are, and you are around non-believers, that means there is a radical supernatural difference between you and the person that's at the next table who's not a believer. Amen? That may hit some of you at lunch today. You're sitting there like, what? I have God, the Holy Spirit, in me as I sit here at Seafresh? What is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then Charles Swindoll, he brings this verse, this, this passage, into the broader worldview. He says this. In living out the Christian life, we have one all-important objective, to glorify God in our body. When you operate your life from this perspective, it changes everything. That is why it is so important to view every day, sun up to sun down from the spiritual dimension. When we do, we begin to realize that nothing is accidental, coincidental, meaningless, or insignificant. Things that happen to us are under our Lord's supervision because we are his and we are to glorify him regardless. That means when you and I understand and grasp the power of the resurrection, the living, indwelling Holy Spirit of God, you know what this does? It frees us from being oppressed and in bondage to the circumstances of life in the world. Amen? Because now, regardless of what happens to me and to you, my goal is to glorify God. Regardless. When I celebrate and when I'm in the depths of despair, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can glorify God. That now becomes my heart. That now becomes my passion. That's now how, instead of going, oh gosh, why, 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 I flip that and I go, Lord, how can I glorify you in this? How do I glorify you in this, Lord? I don't like this. This is making me angry. I'm terrified. I'm anxious. But Lord, I've got to glorify you in this. How do I glorify you in this, right? It changes everything. This desire to glorify God, think about this. Mom and dad, what difference will it make in your home if instead of focusing on God helping you parent, helping you raise your kids, what if your core prayer in your home was, Father, we want you to be glorified in our home. That's a whole different prayer, isn't it? Rather than trying to work out your marriage issues, what if your core prayer as a couple was, Father, we want you to be glorified in our marriage? Changes everything, doesn't it? Takes your perspective off, and suddenly you're like this. Father, I want you to be glorified in my friendships. I want you to be glorified in how I use my time, my money. Father, I want you to be glorified in my words. Do you see how this desire to glorify God 
changes and makes it now a supernatural, joyful pursuit. Rather than, Father, help me get through another day at work. Help me, Father, help me to, to deal with my boss. What if your prayer for your workplace is, Father, I want to glorify you at work. Father, supernaturally, through the power of the resurrection, how do I glorify you at work? Doesn't that change it? Because now we're focused on him and not the issues of life. The issues of life become means to glorify him, even in the struggles. It's a radical shift. It's a radical shift. And again, remember, he says in Ephesians 1, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. This is Paul. He wants us. He wants the church to get this. The incredible greatness of God's power. Warren Wiersbe says this, The greatest power shortage today is not our generators or our gas tanks. It is in our personal lives. Will Paul's prayer be answered in your life? Will you, starting today, right now, begin to know by experience God's calling, God's riches, and God's power? It's a choice. Because if you're a believer, Holy Spirit's already there. You don't even have to do anything in the sense of trying to get him to come in, right? The Holy Spirit is there, indwelling you. You just got to maybe make some choices based on what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to your heart about. And here's the cool thing. We're going to close with this. We get to experience right now the Holy Spirit, living Holy Spirit, moving right now. You know why? Because in John 16, 8, it says this. When he, the Holy Spirit, comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. That passage tells us that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world, the non-believing world, of their sin of unbelief. So when someone gets saved... Today, here, or at home, or wherever they're listening, when someone gets saved, that is a manifestation that they responded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That is a supernatural miracle. That's why that, that I don't know where everyone here is. I don't know where everyone is, but if you respond by faith, right, what that means is the Holy Spirit, however God does this, makes it clear to a non-believer that you are guilty of sin and you need a Savior. When you come to that place, understand that was the work of the Holy Spirit. And when you responded, even though you, when you were believers, if you're like, is this Holy Spirit real and, and is it really true? How many of you came to faith because you understood you needed a Savior and you were guilt of your sin? Anyone? Who did that? The Holy Spirit! You're a supernatural creation. You responded to the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that opened your eyes to your need for for a Savior. You're here as a believer as a supernatural act of God. Amen? And at that point, you were indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. You were indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. Now, here's what that Holy Spirit does. John 14, 26. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach.
teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit brings the word of God, God's truth, to life so that we can understand it and apply it. Okay, now this is very important. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What's really important is that word, the two words reproof and correction. If at any time today, through all those verses I've been reading, through the questions I've been asking, if you have felt any sense of, ooh, ah, oh, yeah, I, I, I don't forgive. Yeah, I worry. Yeah, I'm anxious about a lot of things. Yeah, I don't love my wife as Christ loved the church. I don't submit. If at any time you have felt that, you know what you have felt? Reproof. That is the Holy Spirit doing the Holy Spirit's job in you as a believer. That is reproof. It's very important. The Holy Spirit convicts the world, but the Holy Spirit reproves believers. He reproves and corrects. Okay? Which leads us, which should lead us to what? Confession and the receiving of forgiveness. Amen? This morning, all those different passages we read, the buffet that we ignore. This morning, have you wanted, have you needed, have you been comfortable, have you been churchy? If any of that, and you're like, oh, I haven't, oh, uh, you know what you're feeling? In the best way, the reproof of the Holy Spirit that loves you. That's what this, God disciplines those he loves, amen? So when it says it's profitable for reproof and correction, it's this, oh, reproof means to shine a light in the darkness. So maybe the Holy Spirit has shined some light in an area of your life or areas, and you're like, oh. Well, the next word is correction. He says, just make the correction. Confess it. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, walk in, walk in obedience. That's what we do. So this morning, if you're here or you're home, I'm going to guess. Okay, let's just put this. How many of you would admit to feeling a bit of reproof this morning? Who did that? And don't say me. (laughs) Who's doing that? Because he loves you. Reproof is, hey, you're getting off the path, and correction is, hey, get back on the path. That's all that is. You're experiencing here and at home the Holy Spirit today. Amen? Come on, that, this is it. <laughs> this, is, this is why it's dynamic. That's why you at home can read a passage, and the Holy Spirit can speak to you, good or bad, and then you apply it, and you go live it supernaturally. This is when your faith becomes your faith. The power of the Holy Spirit. If you felt it today, I want you not to feel guilt and condemnation because Romans 8, 1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation 
to those who are in Christ. It is not guilt and condemnation. It is reproof and correction for children to get back on the path because Father loves you. Amen? That's what it is. That's it. That's the joy. So praise God. You know, Bill's going to come up in a little bit and present the gospel. And if people get saved here or at home or during the week when you're listening to it, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you here have felt reproof and correction and you come to a place of confession and asking for God's forgiveness, that's the work of the Holy Spirit like right now. That's crazy. That's not me guilt tripping you. That's me just speaking the word and letting the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do as the spirit of truth. Amen? That's why, you know, for so long, it took me a while, like, you say, man, you get so animated up there and you just, I'm like, you know why? Because it's not on me to change you. If I felt like it was on me, then I would become the bully pastor and make you feel really guilty and really bad about yourself and try to, you know, beat you over the head to shape up. You know what I do? I'm like, Lord, it's your word. It's do what you can only. I'm going to speak your truth, spirit of truth. You bring reproof, correction, training. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. And I get the joy to see literal transformation in your lives. As you respond to the Holy Spirit. So my encouragement, respond to the Holy Spirit. Right now. It's a supernatural thing. Respond. Okay, let's pray. So Father, thank you. Thank you that you have provided power through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And Father, it was not easy. It was not easy for me this week to wrestle with, do I need the power? Do I want the power? Am I comfortable? Am I, am I churchy even as a pastor? Very, very reproof-filled week for me, Father. And I'm thankful because it brought me back to you and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that for those here, <clears throat> for those listening at home, that we would respond to you, Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth, the very reason you were sent was to speak truth to us. And reproof is not pleasant, but it's truth. So Father, we confess, we take moments now before communion, as Bill comes up, we take time now. For you, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Whether we need to respond to the gospel, put our faith, whether we need to respond and, and just ask forgiveness and, and receive your reproof and correction, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, speak to us now as we prepare for communion and may we respond in faith and obedience. Good morning, everyone. Uh, just a few reminders for um, the women's ministry uh, coming up this summer, our workshops this summer. So our first one is this Saturday. Is this on? Oh, okay. Uh, this Saturday, June 25th, it's for the Ojai Land Conservancy. Conservancy. We're doing trail maintenance. Um, it's not as daunting as it sounds. Um, we're just kind of closing off. They, this is what they've told us that they'd like us to do is close off some of the trails that people have just kind of created um, going down to the river, what's supposed to be the river. Um, 
and just kind of closing those off and filling them in. And so it's just trying to keep uh, people on the regular trails. So please, all are invited. Um, kids, uh, men, you're all invited to come. If we'd, I'd like you to sign up. They'd like to know a number of about how many people are coming. Um, so uh, if you could sign up, it's on the cart in the back. Um, that'd be great. And there's quite a few already signed up. So a um, couple other workshops coming up is the July 30th uh, floral arranging and August 27th, a workshop for watercolor. Uh, they're filling up fast. Um, just a little thing about that is last, a couple years ago when we had workshops, they were about $20.00. This year, because everything has gotten higher, we thought we'd make it lower, um, just to ease it up a little bit. <laughs> and so it's going, they're about, they're $15 um, that might buy just one flower at this point. So it might be a really quick workshop, but, um, but we're going to try to do as best as we can. But we wanted to keep the cost down just because everything else is going up. And the last, uh, but not least, is... Um, just to encourage you again, the women, to be reading through the Psalms this summer, um, and we're going to have a time to come together and just reflect on what we've been reading, and that's August 15th, and it'll be here at the well. Um, and again, just a little um, reminder that uh, the Psalms are a compilation of songs um, prayers and poetry. About half were written by King David. Um, and I'm going to read one, and I forgot my paper up here. So hang on. Is there, did I totally forget it? Oh, oh here it is. Okay, sorry. Uh, so we're going to be reading a few this summer, but I wanted to read one today. And this is Psalm 18. And in the beginning of my Bible, it has just a tiny description. And it says, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addresses the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So this is Psalm 18. And it's been edited. <laughs> so it's a lot shorter here. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God enlightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The, the word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but our Lord, and who is a rock except our God? The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. Amen. Amen. <laughs> worship team, you guys can come up. As the worship team is, is coming up, I want to uh, kind of share with you, you know, we know that summer typically in churches, you know, there's a lot of traveling and attendance goes up and down. And yet around summer, uh, for summer for here, we really focus on relationships. And so, Kathy, thank you and Katie and your team for, you know, being proactive in helping us stay connected. 
uh, in the women's ministry. Uh, men, just so you know, we are in the process of putting together a, a men's barbecue or something like that towards the end of summer for, for the men to get together. Um, moms and dads, uh, I'm in the process. We're probably, hopefully in July, maybe early August, we're going to have a parenting event for you moms and dads, whether you're expecting or want to be parents or if you've been parents for a bit. Um, we're going to give you an opportunity to gather here uh, for an incredible time of fellowship and, and teaching and really uh, seeking the Lord and learning what it means to, to parent and, and raise our kids in the training and admonition of the Lord. So there, there are many things happening. Uh, continue to pray. I uh, really encourage you, continue to pray. You know, there's so much happening in the world, right? And so much happening maybe in your life that uh, we can get lost in it. And it, it can become heavy and oppressive and really put us in a place of bondage because we, without even realizing it, that's what we focus on. We, we flip our phones on and we go right to our news feed or we go right to our social media feed. And, and maybe we started the day really good and in a matter of seconds, minutes, we, we went back into the funk. And so I really want to encourage you that, that when we do gather here, whether you're here in person or at home, choose to be here. Choose to be fully present, okay? Choose to redirect your attention and say, Lord, I need you through worship, through the word. I, I just need sometimes to be reminded that God is still God, amen? He's still in control. It's Father's Day. You're still his child, okay? He's bigger than it all, amen? Okay, and that's why we gather, that's why we gather, and, and, and it's not just to go through another Sunday. Sometimes we gather because God knows we need to gather, okay? Because outside of these doors, outside of the doors at your house, the world is waiting. But we can choose to turn it all off and to be fully present, to worship in spirit and truth, to be attentive to the, the speaking of the Holy Spirit through his word. And here's a radical thing. We can be different. You walked in a certain place in your relationship with God, certain place emotionally, mentally, maybe, literally. Power of the resurrection, the Holy Spirit, you can leave here different. That's the radical truth. That's the radical power of the Holy Spirit. The question is, do you want that? Are you, are you open to that right now? Okay.